Welcome to TMP 14, our 14th episode of the TM podcast. Today we will talk about how to set up um, integration. So what are the yeah, PI, the keyword uh, systems uh, that I need to integrate our nice TM to other nice software like ERP or legacy systems uh, in, in, in the outside world. Yeah, today we are very happy that we have a special guest here, Markus. Uh, Markus Becker, you may introduce yourself, please. Yeah, pretty short. My name is Markus, Markus Becker. I, yeah, somehow related to this topic since more than 10 years because I was developing this stuff together with other colleagues when it was called XI. <laughs> then XPI and now PI or even process orchestration now. So a um, little bit technical development background, but since I moved from basis development to application in retail or now in transportation management, also, I'm also related with application system setups and integration. So that's my short background. And quite often I'm yeah also trying to fetch the latest information from my older basis colleagues to get it incorporated into our integration here in the application. Okay. I'm Thomas Quintus, still Scrum Master, Freight <laughs> Order Management Team, um, but I'm also involved as a developer in most of the interfaces related to freight orders and freight booking. Yeah, and I'm burned, I do the recording today, basically. Yeah. So maybe just as one point, so today it's really about integration technically, so it's not about specifically ERP integration and how to do that, say, SIF and, 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 and how to enhance the sales order or so, but that will be another episode, don't worry. Uh, but this time it's really about the technical infrastructure and how to use it. And so the we alternatives. talk about which field goes to where, but, so, yeah. only structurally. So, where yeah. do we have integration points in transportation management? Yeah, basically, TM is a system standing for itself. So, without any integration, nothing is working. We don't have, or sorry, mentioned uh, real master data from ERP itself, but this would be a different episode. Now we're talking about how transactional data is exchanged, and um, we are relying heavily on ERP objects and ERP transactional data and this integration basically can be done either via a so-called mediated integration using the PI, the process integration as a yeah, middleware or what we will handle later on, we can have a point-to-point -point integration that is an integration that is not necessarily using a PI but uh, simply using the built-in NetWeaver features coming with the latest NetWeaver, so that uh, by using a central configuration, starting in one system, depending which one you're using, mm -hmm. you can set up the configuration for the sender and receiver system, and the information, the messages are flowing immediately from one system to the other, and that's, in the end, uh, what we are targeting for smaller customers, where the TCO aspect is um, yeah, the main reason for not using API. Mm. For sure, some uh, features then are lost. We don't have a mapping. Mm. Yeah, the way around put, this means that we had to 
get rid of all necessary mappings to enable customers to use a point-to-point -point integration. And yeah, where do we have integration points? Um, we have an indication to ERP in general for order integration, meaning yeah, we have sales order, purchase orders, we have stock transfers, we have inbound and outbound delivery integration. Mm -hmm. We can do a delivery split um, or updates. This might yeah. be then <laughs> taken in the episode <laughs> about the ERP integration. Then we have the shipment integration to uh, use shipments uh, created in ERP as a basis for mm -hmm. our planning processes in TM and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And we have integration with our custom system, with the GTS system to enable an export declaration and as well to run a compliance check for, um, yeah, in the end it's either an embargo check or a sanctioned party list check. And then, Not to mention at last, uh, to mention at last, but a very important one is the integration for the settlement processes for the inverse integration. Um, that's also done directly with the ERP system. That's everything we are shipping as A to A services for the application application. Sales or the scheduling would also fall into that uh, section, or is that uh, kind of special? That's a special one in a okay. way that it's a synchronous service. Um, mm. But uh, in the end, that's also as our business document flow mm. synchronous service. Uh, synchronous service means that the exchange is immediately seen or not. So mm. maybe we can talk about this later. But mm. um, yes, it's also an A to A service, mm -hmm. and. <coughs> Besides having ATA services, so one would say integration of systems in the customer uh, system landscape without um, jumping over the firewall. That's maybe mm. one possible definition how ATA services could be defined. And B2B means then you are exchanging messages with business partners, leaving the firewall. And in this case, you actually should use uh, messaging infrastructure to define certain points where the firewall is open and where not and which messages can be exchanged and which not. And most often their mapping is used because not all business partners will talk the same language, meaning the same mm. message or uh, even technical protocol, transport protocol. So their mappings are needed anyway, while for the A2A integration, the general, um, yeah, what customers are requiring is It should work out of the box. Mm. Okay, we are relying on your P data. So how to set it up without having um, additional implementation work? Simply using a template, simply mm. um, configuring the runtime out of the box, and then exchanging messages. That's what we are delivering. Yes, we are delivering templates for our A to A um, integration scenarios. How it's called for the PI for all mentioned integration scenarios from order mm -hmm. via settlement customs <laughs> uh, processes so that customers can use these templates to pretty simply by using a wizard in the PI configure their PI runtime. I think we come to that mm -hmm. uh, in, in more detail okay. later. So very high level, mm -hmm. we could say that that integration is, what we covered today is about integrating transactional data, so documents, mm -hmm. So to say, we have one uh, world which is the SAP internal, but good side of the our side of the firewall, 
mm-hmm. would be an A2A service where it's uh, uh, where the using the PI is optional, right? Mm-hmm. Because we can also use that VSRM or W <laughs> WSRM um, exactly. integration. Okay, um, and then we have the world where we communicate to our carriers mm-hmm. um, or to other external partners where we would need the PI because, as I said, the in technical infrastructure might be different because the messages might come in Morse uh, or uh, whatever, <laughs> uh, other Technifax or something mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah? Um, yeah. And you uh, you have to map it technically first into a format that, that our system would understand and then also the context because the carrier name might be different, the location codes... Hmm. would be uh, potentially different. So, okay, so that in is this case, you might need a value mapping. You also might want to hide information of your own system landscape. Hmm. This is something that is exchanged in A2A messages, and that's not really a harm to you hmm. because it's simply information that's available and everybody can I mean, see it. But you maybe even rely on yeah, exactly. internal information. For hmm. example, exchanging internal IDs for master yeah. data. Yeah. Whereas for B2B messages, uh, also our internal mapping already produces standard IDs as far mm. as possible. And besides <laughs> that, you would like to delete information we are using for internal purposes. Mm. Our B2B messages sometimes are used also for A2A purposes. That's mm. technically possible. But when coming to the outside world, jumping over the firewall, you would like to yeah, simply hide some information. Okay. Is there anything to say about connecting to legacy systems at the customer? I mean, yep. they play probably a special role because mm-hmm. they are inside the com- same company, but yeah. we don't know what what to map. Yeah, maybe first of all, PI is a message infrastructure, and it's compared to other infrastructures from other vendors in with regards to having the whole set of features like. Um, You can have routing if a message is reaching this infrastructure, where to route it to, depending on whatever conditions. Then you can have a interface determination, which interface should be used to receive the message at the receiving side. <laughs> Then you can uh, execute a mapping. And that's now coming to your question, Thomas. When one when you want to reach a little system, most likely you need an adapter to get the data transferred from the PI internal mm-hmm. format to that specific format. When we have uh, built-in adapters to legacy system from SAP, so meaning RFC or IDOC adapters, that's something built-in. Mm-hmm. And there's also PI is offering this feature to upload uh, metadata from RFC or IDOCs into the PI, into the design time of the PI that can be used then in mappings and for sure others are also supported very technical ones like JMS, Java Messaging System or um, for instance JDBC um, then we have file adapter where you can also convert uh, data into flat file format um, then also um, a whole bunch of adapters are provided from partners. An adapter and a PI is nothing else than an XML description. And such metadata can be provided by partners and mm-hmm. adapters can be um, provided by partners too as extensions of our adapter framework. 
of the PI Adapter mm. framework. So um, there are a lot of partner companies who are dealing with um, providing adapters for any kind of legacy system from any vendor. So in the end, mm. it's simply a question of how much adapter you have to apply and how much mapping you have to apply to get everything connected. And such an adapter would do the technical mapping yeah. and the content mapping or as like you said yeah. it could be mapped into a flat file mm -hmm. that is one piece and then it, it needs to be mapped into a yeah, let's say content format that also yeah. that consumer would understand and, and vice versa. Yeah if all message infrastructures internally one fixed format is used. In this case it's so-called XI protocol that has been invented before WSM data topic mm -hmm. has been invented. We simply when We started the development of the XI, we had to decide how to do this internally. And mm -hmm. as there was no standard format for XML-based message requests. Mm -hmm. We had to, in the end, define an own format that can be used as internal format. And then every mapping first mm -hmm. deals with converting mm -hmm. one <coughs> yeah, original message from the sender to a target message of receiver mm -hmm. in the... Yeah, Kafka mapping, Java-based mm. mapping, SXD-based mapping, even ABAP mapping. That's something customers can use too. But that's only the conversion of the message structure internally. Because that's then the standard format that can be used internally until the receiver adapter is reached. Then the question must be answered how technically the receiving receiver system is reached, for instance, Talking about an HTTP adapter is quite uh, easy. You have to specify the host and the port, and maybe some security settings, uh, uh, certificates must be provided, such things. And besides that, even a conversion into the adapter-specific format can be and must be done. Um, easiest example is a file adapter. Then the external XML format, the XI protocol yeah. in the end is an XML format that is based on SOAP with extensions with uh, some attachments. This format must be then converted into a uh, yeah, ASCII file format, whatever. You also could use an XML so, file. So maybe let's, uh, I think it's very yeah. interesting. So maybe uh, let's do the journey of a message from hmm? GM yeah. as a starting point into PI into a flat file. Okay. So what what happens first? So we would on on the TM side, we would send out the message mm -hmm. in yeah, in what format typically? Yeah, maybe one yeah. step before okay. the yeah. overall architecture is that starting with six twenty or six forty and later on it's built mm -hmm. in. Every subnet viva basis has built in a PI integration engine. So mm -hmm. when starting mm -hmm. a message in TM, sending it out, the local integration engine of the TM system is used to Yeah, create this message in mm -hmm. XI protocol format and send it out to the attached integration server. Integration mm -hmm. server, there's exactly one per TM system. Mm -hmm. The correct terminology is business system. So every client of a SAP mm -hmm. system is a business system, and each business system is assigned to exactly one integration server, the runtime mm -hmm. of the PI. And that's where do they find it? Connection? That connection is configured in the transaction S XMB underscore ADMIN admin. S XMB <laughs> admin, yeah. So uh, there's a point uh, configure integration engine, and in the end there, most likely the FC destination mm -hmm. is maintained where, which is pointing to the integration okay. server. Um, yeah. 
entry. It's, that's the first thing. <laughs> and then we're sending out this message. The message is reached in the creation server, and then the so-called pipeline is executed. The pipeline has several steps. The first step is the routing called receiver determination. Mm -hmm. So on basis of the sender interface and the sender system, the receiver is determined. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can also add additional conditions that uh, you are evaluating the payload and uh, mm -hmm. you're doing this in some integration scenarios mm -hmm. that we are relying on so-called context information to which ERP message should mm -hmm. be routed to. Okay, the receiver has been determined. Second step is in the pipeline. Second pipeline step is then the interface determination. Then on basis of the um, determined what is receiver. interface in, in that context? Interface so, means any um, yeah, out or input capable um, signature in a system. How to call it? I mean, hmm. an interface is everything. In a way, we have a service, we have an IDOC, we have a yeah. file, we have a, a JDBC uh, connection. Everything that can be reached via message. Interface in the end is the is it representation a communication of message. method or is it really uh, already for a certain purpose? So I have an interface for the shipment and that includes that it's an say yeah. IDOC and it has certain fields or is the interface only that I map into say technically IDOC format? Yeah, interface in yeah. this case is already the XI internal format of a certain message. So okay. um, in this case um, TM could trigger um, delivery split, for instance, in ERP. Mm -hmm. okay. Then the delivery mm -hmm. split message, that's the outbound interface, is sent from TM to ERP. In the yeah. first round, the corresponding responsible ERP system must be determined. So yeah. receiver's mm -hmm. information, in, in, receiver determination is run. Second, the interface determination is run, meaning now from the <laughs> Outbound interface, the mm. outbound delivery split, outbound interface of TM, mm. the corresponding inbound mm. interface in TM must mm. be determined. We have the concept in XI that outbound inbound interface could be different. Mm. Mm. Sometimes you only have one message type, but that's not the case here. So you can have different interfaces and mm. can have a mapping in between two. That's the possible third step. If a mapping is maintained, then you can map from the Send the interface to the receive interface. And every interface stands for a message, you could say. Yeah. Okay. Leave it like this. Okay. So if I have a certain flat file yeah. format to first certain system, I would have an interface for that one. And I want to if I want to put that same content into a delivery split message yeah. for ERP, then I would have a different interface. Yeah. Okay. I left out the very, very beginning step, that's the sender agreement. Let's talk about this later. Because mm -hmm. we don't need this. We already state uh, we already start with an XI protocol format. Hmm. So, maybe meaning for B2B, maybe it's different. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. So, hmm. meaning in this case, um, we only have to specify the so called receiver agreement. That's in the fourth step. And the receiver agreement states if a certain receiver should be reached using this inbound interface, how to reach the receiver. Technically, so now the so-called receiver communication channel is mm -hmm. determined. That's simply an object holding all the technical information, mm -hmm. how to reach the system, how to uh, yeah, fulfill the security needs, whatever. And also, if 
needed converted to a different format. In our integration scenarios between TM and ERP, we don't need a mapping from the XI protocol format to any other protocol format, except of IDOX, that's a special case. But all others, we simply leave our messages in the XI protocol format. So mm -hmm. the XI protocol is created in the TM, yeah. local integration engine, is passed to the integration server, mm -hmm. still keeps the same format, then only the pipeline services are run through until the receiver system is determined and the XI protocol format message then reaches the receiver and there the local integration engine receives a message and transforms it from the XML format to the ABAP structures, to the proxy structures. Mm. Proxy means then only the ABAP representation of the XML message. Types the, yeah. and, and yeah. that kind of... Uh, mm. -like what you were talking about, that uh, the initial step, the sender agreement is necessary, holds true if, for instance, a file must be converted first into the XI protocol, then a so-called sender agreement is the zero step, <laughs> mm -hmm. step before the first step, actually, where... Uh, you have to specify from where the file must be fetched by the so-called sender communication channel, converted to the XI protocol, and then what we talked about right now starts again. Receiver determination, interface determination, possible. So in, in that case, maybe take an extreme example from a flat file to an IDOC. Yeah. Yeah. Then I would first have the step zero, which is kind of say, okay, where do I get that flat file from? Yeah. Second is re reading that flat file, or is that part of step zero? That's part of step zero. The sender agreement in the end is also dealing with some security settings again. Mm. But uh, technically, uh, the sender communication channel again is saying, read it from this file server, uh, this directory, convert it via this conversion routine to the XI protocol. Mm. So how, how the text should be called in the XML message. Okay. Must be so you, you would map it then into the... Internal, yeah, XI internal format, and then from there again to the XI. Yeah. external. Hmm. Ah, it's like LL4M, low level <laughs> virtual machine for which is Apple using for it. I yeah, mean, in, nice. in the end, uh, every messaging infrastructure is mm. working like this because internally one defined mm. format must be used, otherwise, the pipeline services cannot work with the message. Mm. Otherwise, you only can route through something. Mm. We have this in place too. You can use attachments uh, simply. Doesn't matter, yeah, any binary information and that's routed through. Okay. But as long as you want to mm. uh, reach information out of your message and use this during the pipeline services, a defined format must be used. Yeah. And also the decision to use XML was made because this was the upcoming format, standard mm. format, and now every standard XML-like uh, Features can be used XPath to reach a certain position in the message, XSLT to run transformations, and so on. So mm -hmm. everything related to X something can be used now, because <laughs> XML format in the end is uh, the standard. Besides having some additional information for running the pipeline mm -hmm. services. Okay. Maybe can one. Maybe can, yeah. <clears throat> maybe I, I think for me personally, it would be very interesting <laughs> to, to continue that mm -hmm. uh, or to to once more wrap up uh, the the way from a let's say literally from a flat file to an IDOC, just mm -hmm. so that we that I can learn that terminology yeah. also again and try to remember it, okay. uh, and and then we can continue. Yeah. So step zero is that uh, what was sender contract uh, sender agreement called sorry. Yeah. sorry sender agreement determination. So where do I get that information from and how to yeah. read it? Yeah. Second step is uh, mapping into the internal format. Yeah, that's done internally. 
And the sender agreement via the sender communication channel. That is step one, right? Together it's step zero or one. Still <laughs> step zero. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, then mapping into the internal format first. I also would need yeah. like an interface for that, like a reverse interface to, to, for the rules, how to map that flat file into the internal format. Yeah. I would also have an interface, so to say, or? Yeah, this would be favorable if you would like to have a mapping on basis mm -hmm. of graphical means, then uh, the interface should be provided in the design term of your PI, because mm -hmm. the mapping can then use this interface information, it's nothing else, mm -hmm. and also an XML, yeah. in the end it's an XSD, so um, scheme description, mm -hmm. um, and together with the actual floating message, then it's WSDL, Vista, the description language format. And this, in the end, is only needed if you want to have a mapping in the API based on graphical mapping. You want to can get rid of this and do your mapping anyway. Encoding. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks. But that's not the usual case. But okay, that's the, the next anyway. So I, with an interface or with some coding, I yeah. would map the flat file data stream into uh, the internal XML-based mm -hmm. uh, format. Yeah. Okay. The next step is then the receiver determination. Yeah. So where would I like to send that to? And that can be based on some header information. Maybe I already provided that target mm -hmm. system, or you would kind of do some lookups in the content. So, okay, ah, it comes from that mm -hmm. ERP system. So I should also send it there. Or, so any uh, payload information, how it's uh, called, can be used. Uh, payload means the whole XML message sent from one application can be used as starting point. And mm -hmm. you can, uh, directly use XPath statements to fetch any information out of your message and to derive uh, the condition required information. Okay, this field has this value, then route it to this receiver. I asked later what XPath is, but uh, yeah, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And um, then we have the receiver and we have all mapped it into our internal format, yeah. which is already well structured. Yeah. Yeah. And then with the receiver, Information yeah. about the receiver, we would map it into the receiver file format, the IDOC format in our example. Yeah, but first you have to determine the interface of the ah, receiver. Okay. That's right. Mm. So, sender agreement to fetch information, maybe to the inter internal format by using the sender communication channel, technical mm. conversion. Mm. Then we have the internal format. Mm. This internal format is then sent to the indication server. Then the actual pipeline starts, the receiver determination, as mm -hmm. mentioned, and then the interface determination in this case would determine that the IDOC should be used. Mm -hmm. So the file mm -hmm. format converted to the XI internal format mm -hmm. now should be converted to an IDOC. Mm -hmm. The IDOC then typically is uh, uploaded. The metadata of the IDOC are available as XML in the PI so that the PI internal mapping services can be used. For instance, there's a graphical mapping for pretty easy mappings that can be used. If you have larger uh, hmm. changes in your structure, maybe an XSLT is more fitting. But uh, it's also depending on the technical knowledge of consultants, what is used in the end. But then the mapping is done. So mm -hmm. the XI format representation for the file is mapped into the XI format of the IDOC. Hmm. And now the question is how to reach the receiver system. That's the last step, the receiver agreement based on the receiver interface and the sender um, system. You have to specify where to put it in, into which system and how to reach it. Then again, the technical information must be uh, provided how to reach the system. In this case, IDOC means 
for instance, uh, port must be specified and so on uh, to, to mm. reach the receiver system via a certain IDOC port. Maybe one hint, if you're really using IDOCs, the indication server must know the so-called IDOC metadata. In this case, if something is going wrong, come to this maybe later in more detail, there are two transactions in the indication server, the IDX1 and 2, that are important ones where you have to put in information in the end. The IDOC information needs also to be uploaded to integration server. Hmm. Um, but, okay, we have now covered the runtime with regards to the pipeline steps. Maybe one important information. In the end, it's a mixture out of ABAP and Java in general when talking about PI. That mm -hmm. was how PI started. We have pipeline services completely run in ABAP stack. That's the receiver determination, that's the interface determination, that's the receiver agreement determination, but Everything with regards to adapters is more or less handled in the Java stack. There's some exceptions, but uh, the PI uh, protocol for sure can be um, spoken from other stack uh, too. But um, I'm talking about the file adapter and more technical ones. All of them are built in the Java stack. And that's the reason why the Java stack needs to be yeah, implemented too. <laughs> so, and also the mapping is run in Java stack. So during the mapping pipeline step, the other stack calls the Java stack to execute the mapping. A graphical mapping that you can configure in the design time of the PI in the end is producing a Java class. You can also immediately put in a Java class and the XSLT is also run in the Java stack. So that's how the PI story started. But I have to say that nowadays we also have reduced the complexity. We haven't reduced it in a way that we only have an upper stack. We have it reduced in a way that we only have a Java stack. Because in the end, the implementation cost now is a little bit lower due to the fact that uh, everything can be done in the Java stack. So meaning that uh, starting with the 7.30 release, uh, there is an A2X adapter engine extended version of PI available, where everything is done in Java stack. Mm -hmm. We also tested this with our TM indication scenarios, also with IDOC, because the IDOC adapter had to be converted from the other stack to the Java stack. That was one of the missing adapters. And we used this in mm -hmm. our sure. shipment integration scenarios. Oh. Ah, yeah. So in the end, uh, if a customer does not want to use the PI for TCO reasons, but needs the integration via IDOCs and mappings, an alternative could also be using PI in this A2X version, the Java-only version. In the end, that's uh, simply then requiring less hardware and um, ah, maintenance okay. is all. Okay, because we have only the Java stack. That's complicated, yeah. Okay, good. And last thing with regards to integration, I mean, uh, nowadays you would probably find information about PI under the in the SCN um, under the terminology process orchestration, because now there are more and more features incorporated also with regards to business process management and everything together now is called process orchestration. Okay. We do not use this in TM, because it's also a means to do stateful integration. And as long as you are not 
relying or have to rely on stateful integration, you actually should not use it because stateful integration always means that a message not immediately can be passed to a receiver, but most likely have to wait until other messages have reached the middleware too to merge them, for instance, together into one single message and then bring it on. So as long as one message immediately can be delivered to a receiver, you do not need mm. this. And that's the reason why so far in standard integration, we haven't uh, used this too. But for customer pur uh, purposes, this could be uh, of interest too. Sounds like we have to, for, for the Waldorf calling podcast uh, series, we have to dive into that uh, <laughs> generic API content yeah. a bit deeper. But today we want to focus a bit on the uh, integration in, in the TM context. So I think... I hate to do it, but maybe let's stop for the uh, yeah. generic, how does PI work internally thing, but that, I think this that helps good. a lot for understanding of the follow-up uh, steps. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Next. Or, Thomas, yeah. any, any question on that one left? And I think we can configure mm -hmm. our PI, right, or set it up. Or mm -hmm. uh, So what is... Uh, what, what is the, the minimum set, set up someone would need? Okay. Exactly. I have my... TM, I have an ERP, yeah. mm -hmm. and I want to integrate. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the most simple scenario. Yeah. I want to send a sales order from ERP to TM. What is the minimum number of steps? Typically, this runtime configuration is divided into two steps. One is a technical configuration, and one is a more application-related configuration. Technical configuration means, first of all, when setting up a new system, meaning a new client and a system, a new business system, this business system must be connected to the central PI integration server. So That's, there must be a PI. You already yeah, mentioned that integrated uh, PI server, but I cannot use that, let's say, integrated PI server to, to integrate to ERP, but I, I need a dedicated integration server in the middle between yeah. ERP and TM. And the local yes. integration engine can't be used for this. Okay. It's technically actually possible, but we decided when de de developing the PI that it's a mixture that should be not be supported because uh, simply out of performance reasons, you should not use the local integration engine for this. In the end, this transaction, I remember, um, remember shortly, uh, mentioned shortly, I'm sorry, um, the X XMB admin transaction, um, you have to define if that's a hub in the end, it's an integration server system, or mm -hmm. it's a lock, it's a local system, so it's a business system being connected to an integration system, integrated mm -hmm. integration server through the hub. So two different kinds of systems, hub and local. Okay. Local engine means only being able to send out messages or receiving messages. Okay. And integration server means a pipeline that's built in everywhere can be used also. Okay, so but I would, if mm -hmm. I want to great integrate yeah, P and TM, yeah. I wouldn't need a dedicated yeah. hub uh, PI in the middle. Then three clients at least are involved, one for the TM system, one for the EP system, and one for the indication server, as long as the indication server has an ABAP stack. We talked shortly about this Java-only <coughs> deployment option, but as long as ABAP stack is involved, this must be set up too. So mm -hmm. the first thing is, okay, you have to install your PI, there are yeah. a lot of configuration guides on this topic. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should cover this. It's really no. hundreds of pages, because there are a lot of different uh, alternatives, and you have to consider system landscape directory setup and whatever. 
So that's a whole bunch of the typical PI setup. But um, given an existing PI system, you have to set up that's a technical configuration, your two business systems, your ERP yeah. business system and your TM business system to be connected to the integration server. And that's something internally uh, that's done from uh, our colleagues in the IT department, but basically you have to um, first register your business system in the system landscape directory, that's a transaction LZ70, And then uh, um, that's for Rechenzentrum, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so computing center. Or <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, which system this transaction I have to run? That's in, in the, the business system itself. So in the ERP or TM system. ERP yeah. or TM system. Both, both, both. Because okay. that's simply uh, you know, there's a report that it's scheduled that is that's passing information from business system to the system landscape director. Hey, I'm system so-and-so and have so many clients and can do, yeah, some basic information is exchanged. Then this information is available in System Landscape Directory. What is that System Landscape Directory? Sorry. That's the central approach to see whatever you have in your system with regards to System Landscape mm. as customer. What, what, which system do I have? Mm. And which software, yeah, mm. defined by product versions mm. and software mm. component versions are installed on which system. That's in the end mm -hmm. the information that is covered in the system landscape directory. And that system landscape directory is a separate system again? or Yeah, it's, 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 it, it's coming with PI, but it mm -hmm. can be also used uh, alone, and it's mm -hmm. also available alone, so you do mm -hmm. not uh, need to uh, set up only for PI. It's a general concept that the system okay. landscape directory holds every information with regards to available systems and available Yeah, installed software on this. So in, in our very simplified yeah. straightforward case, it would be on the PI itself, maybe? Uh, Or then in real world bigger landscapes there would be a dedicated server for that. Yeah. The server could be a different one, but that's mm. a point in the end it's a separate software that's mm. also okay. connected to the PI because PI is also using information from this system. Okay. But at least this system landscape directory holds information about the business system mm. name. The business system, maybe short comment on this, in the end was introduced as um, alternative key to the ALE logical system. You might know that the ALE logical system has 10 characters and has decided that this was a little too short for all information. So they introduced the business system ID having 60 characters and everything... Um, Yeah, dealing with configuration and PI is using this business system ID. And that's also one very important information without having a business system ID, without having this information in system landscape directory, the message cannot um, be sent out. So that's simply the minimal information that must be available in the internal XI format mm -hmm. to be able to start the routing. Because the routing in the end is relying on the interface and the sending business system information. And that must come from the system landscape director. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so first step is connecting your business system to the system landscape directory. Mm -hmm. And in all three systems, right? In the ERP, in the TM, and the PI the, itself also? Yeah. Or? Uh, 
would say that the PI configuration has been done, but you're right, mm -hmm. for sure, the indication server is also uh, made available as business system okay. in the mm -hmm. system in script directory. Okay. okay, and then as soon as this is done, uh, next step is that the SXMD underscore admin must be configured, so the integration engine, the, the path to the mm -hmm. entry point of the... Um, Inbound queue of the indication server must be specified per um, business system, meaning for the ERP mm -hmm. as well as for TM, mm -hmm. how to send out a message to reach the indication server. Mm -hmm. And then the technical configuration is over. That's all. Then the application-specific configuration starts, mm -hmm. and that's done in the integration former times what was called integration directory, and it's called integration builder configuration part. So that's then the tool that's used to configure the runtime. It's a Swing client as the design time too. So that's the Java stack in the end that's used, technically spoken. And in this, um, you have, first of all, fetch the business system information from the SLD. It's quite often forgotten. Of course, the system mm -hmm. and that's a central point where the business system mm -hmm. is available. And uh, this must be somehow copied into the integration builder, integration builder configurator or integration directory. So then it's available, this business system. Mm -hmm. And one more or less technical point is required too. At least one receiver communication channel of kind XI protocol must be specified. That's the technical object that is telling the integration server how to reach a business system. When sending a message from ERP to M, yeah. the first part is done by this XMB underscore admin uh, transaction. How to reach indication server. Yeah. Then, Out. if the whole runtime already had been configured, the message would reach also the sender system. Uh, sure, I'm sorry, <laughs> the, re the receiver system if the receiver communication channel would have been provided. And this receiver communication channel now, in the end, contains host port information, how to reach as integration server the receiver system. So the first that XMB admin thing is how to reach integration server? integration server from ERP. Now it arrives at ERP and now I have to define how to reach from PI yeah. TM. Exactly. That is that receiver communication channel. Receiver communication okay. channel. Okay. So before starting our configuration, the real application-specific mm -hmm. configuration, for instance, for an authentication scenario. Mm -hmm. Both business systems must be made available in SLD, must be somehow copied, transferred from SLD to the integration builder configuration. That somehow is how? That's in the integration builder configuration called integration directory. Mm -hmm. So the imported kind of activity uh, or yeah, that's mentioning a drop Via menu, running. you can uh, import from SLD. So. And um, during this step, you also can automatically generate receiver communication channels, depending mm -hmm. how much information you made available in the SLD. Then the mm -hmm. technical information can be already pre-filled yeah. up to a certain amount. I mean, security information mm -hmm. might not be available, so you have to fill it in addition. Mm -hmm. But then you can uh, let your uh, receiver communication channel automatically created out of the SLD, mm -hmm. enhance it with some security information, how to reach it really mm -hmm. in the system, and then 
activate this in the indication builder. The whole configuration mm -hmm. is based on change list. So you have to create an object, activate it, and then it's poured to the runtime. But okay. that's in and the end. Step, we would have like the technical integration yeah. between the three systems yeah. in and out. Yeah. Now you have can reach the integration server from the ERP, mm -hmm. and you can reach the TM from the indication server. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and why is, no no okay it's only one way yeah. so far we only set up one yeah. but the same this will apply for the opposite direction. Right? Yeah. So we would have to teach TM what is the PI system in the XMB yeah. admin and then we would have to create a receiver yeah. channel no, for the ERP communication channel yeah, exactly. for PI two ERP for for client. Exactly. Yeah. Just one question on if I now would have like multi landscape dev um, mm -hmm. queue integration production, would I then create or go through that procedure for every combination basically, right? But combine the queue ERP with a queue TM, that would be the same steps. Yes. Yeah, depends on whether you have a dev or a queue PI. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's what I want to uh, come to. So now if I have, I mean, typically I have mm -hmm. a like three layer mm -hmm. uh, system landscape. So what are the options here? What is typically used? Recommendations? Typically it's really hard to say. We have a concept indication builder directory that you can define so-called transport paths, meaning that when using a central SLD, as even possible with several ones with some more technical stuff, but if you have a central SLD, you can define the whole system landscape, also dev, mm. test, and productive systems. And then you can state that a given configuration can be switched from dev to queue systems, from queue systems to productive systems by defining which development system is exchanged by which queue system and which queue system is exchanged mm -hmm. by which productive system. You still have this three-layer architecture. But, but switch means kind of activated. Business system A mm -hmm. is exchanged mm -hmm. by business system B. The dev mm -hmm. business system, part of, mm -hmm. our, part of your runtime configuration, can be exchanged with a, dev, uh, with a business system for your mm -hmm. corresponding uh, test system. Mm -hmm. But that um, means that it's not that often used I would guess because um, this requires a lot of configuration in your system landscape directory. And to be honest, the configuration between two systems is actually pretty easy. If the technical setup is done, mm -hmm. the actual application configuration, the second step we have to talk about also too, mm -hmm. uh, about is pretty easy. So again, prerequisites, the technical configuration is done, PI system set up, business systems are connected to the SLD, Indication server knows how to reach uh, the business systems, and the business systems know how to reach indication server. Mm -hmm. Then we can set up for an internal A2A-like integration everything on basis of delivered templates. So we are delivering in our TM-specific XI content, how it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, not only we are delivering our interfaces, meaning the XSDW, SDL descriptions mm -hmm. of the interfaces. We are also delivering so-called process integration templates, meaning simply uh, swim, line, swim lane like uh, graphical views where you can see one swim lane is the ERP system, one swim lane is the TM system, and there are a bunch of connections in between. And 
uh, each connection in the end is linking one interface on the one hand side with an interface on the other hand side. Mm -hmm. And then this template can be used in a wizard. Mm -hmm. You say, okay, I want to use my authentication template. And I simply have to specify which student is which real business system. Mm -hmm. That's in the end the counterpart in the customer landscape. The business system we cannot mm. foresee, that's something specific. And by only uh, assigning the business system and assigning the technical stuff, the receiver communication channel, mm. everything is done with regards to uh, adding the additional information needed in this wizard. And then you can generate all runtime relevant configuration objects out of this wizard and that's it. So, so that sounds like it's also version dependent, right? So they that that template must be specific for an ERP and a TEM system or a combination of yeah. those? Or? Yeah, that's a very interesting point. In the end, um, we had to introduce a concept of using generic templates because we have a we have to support HP four to now. 17, whatever, so HP 4, 5, 6, 7, something. On the ERP uh, side? Mm -hmm. On the ERP side, we have to support TM 8.0 to whatever is coming. So uh, 1, uh, 9.0 at least so far, and the combination of both. And most often, everything that is available in a TM system is also available or was made available in the ERP system too. We made a lot of downports of new functionality to lower releases, to no lower EHPs. Mm -hmm. But in some cases, that's not true. So we simply could not downport everything. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we have sometimes different so-called component views in one template, one process integration scenario. One component view then in the end is starting with EHP 5 mm -hmm. onwards to TM... It one onwards, and the other one is each before onwards to it's yeah, some like a version of it. Yeah, okay. And but you have to se select the right template. Yeah, mm -hmm. in in a template, different component views are existing. Mm -hmm. You have to select the right component view. That's in the end described in our configuration guides. But uh, one hint: when dealing with the latest PI release, the software component version of the sender interface is checked during activation of your configuration objects. Meaning you are Hey, friend, you're a wizard, hmm? assign business systems, assign the defined receiver, communication channels, and that's it, you thought. But unfortunately, the activation uh, runs to an error if you are not relying on HP 5. If your XI content in your enterprise services repository or formerly called integration builder uh, repository does not contain the software component versions for EHP 5. Because we are relying on EHP 5, we simply had to choose one EHP. Otherwise, we mm. had a mixture of one template per EHP. Mm. In the end, in this template, at some point, the specific software component version must be mentioned. Mm. And during activation in the latest PI system, this software component version is checked for existence. The question is simply is, is this interface existing in my enterprise services repository, in my design time? If that's not true, the activation is stopped. 
Reason for that is that the newest PI also offers a so-called so-called XSD validation, meaning you can check mm -hmm. a message during runtime if it's uh, typed correctly and if texts uh, that are existing are really existing in the interface description or not. And this has been done per sort of component version because principally this is possible to have different combinations. So even optional fields can be exist starting with a given software component version and not before. So you actually could now check exactly if the optional field is allowed or not for my software component version. That's the reason why if this activation error is occurring, the overall recommendation also from the basis colleagues, they have other mm. reasons, uh, other scenarios where this is even applying more often. Uh, they said simply include the required HP5 XI content into your ESR, the enterprise services repository, into your design time. Then everything is working fine. And that's also the best way to, uh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, the whole bunch of combinations must be maintained. And that's the reason mm -hmm. why they decided to use one particular one. Mm -hmm. And if it's not available, include it if your new SPI, yeah, 731, is checking this. Um, so, as a, okay. It's only one comment in yeah. addition. It's not affecting your backend system at all if you include an XI content software component version into your ESR. It's simply a repository. You can put in everything without having it installed anywhere in your system landscape at any system at all. So even if I'm on Enhancement Pack 10, 11, mm -hmm. I still would need to include that... Currently it's HP 5, maybe we change it in the future. Until oh. HP 10, maybe. Okay, so that minimum... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mapping yeah. must be there, yeah, even so it's not relevant. So that's just a, okay. Yeah. But that's already a troubleshooting hint only in case you have a new SPI and get this activation error. Yeah, since that podcast will be available forever, new SPI means which one? Currently so today, PI, 2013? PI uh, 731. 731. So uh, actually it's 7.3 enhancement pack one, then that's the official name, I guess. Okay, good. I forgot to mention it at the beginning, but you know, it, that lasts forever now. That's uh, the internet. Good. Good. So now we have the technical integration and uh, we have the application, application configuration yeah. based on that templates, mm -hmm. which we deliver. Then we also installed the templates for, for legacy, for yeah. <laughs> as uh, HP5. Mm -hmm. And with that, we basically activate it and we're done. Yep. So then now I can send by, by activating your configuration objects. These objects are brought to runtime, meaning to the other both in the Java Java stack, and you're done. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So now the next steps would be then really activating ERP to send it. Sending but a that's message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but technically, so now if a message mm -hmm. is triggered in ERP, or that is done, as mm -hmm. mentioned, is something else, uh, then it would find its way yep. to PI. Yep. It would be do all that the step. Okay, step zero can be skipped, but all the steps through the pipeline, pipeline. Yeah. and it would arrive in TM. Exactly. Nice, easy. I mean, there might After be only 50 minutes. <laughs> there. there might be special cases where you have several 
uh, ERP systems, then uh, you might have to configure also conditions during the routing steps, but that are already additional, yeah, special cases. But then the good thing is this technical stuff has to be done only once. Yep. And then for each business process where mm. you do integration between ERP and TM, you just have to do the configuration mm. by yeah. pressing a button and yep. giving the two system names. Yes, that's basically everything. Yeah. You, you can even simulate all. before. and yeah. So that's also um, what we found out from a lot of customer tickets. There might be questions in the beginning. There might be problems because something has been forgotten information was not available or knowledge was not available but after the setup has been done once everything is fine and the tickets are gone so mm. any recommendation for the initial steps uh, to trust integration kind of hands-on guides or have we tried to cover everything in our configuration guides okay. and uh, there are some okay. even more hints in but um, yeah you can first of all check if uh, the SXMB underscore admin is configured correctly. You can mm -hmm. check that the SLD is set up correctly. There's a second mm -hmm. transaction, the SLD check, one word mm -hmm. transaction, that is checking if you can reach your SLD from your business system, if the SLD, SLD is made available and your system is existing mm -hmm. business system. I would run that transaction in the PI? No, you would run this or? in each business system, for instance, okay. in your ERP okay. client and mm -hmm. in your TM client. Okay. Yeah, good. This I mean, might be enough first for head, the yeah. API yeah. configs, and it's now up and running, right? Yeah. So you can already. But now that we talked so much about PI, I'm a little bit surprised that everything should also work without PI. Yeah, <laughs> that's maybe the the second possibility how to integrate. So far, we talked about the PI, so mediated integration via message hub, message infrastructure. And for sure, this is also possible without using PI. And this was possible already quite, yeah, since the beginning, since the first versions, for using synchronous services. Um, maybe services, that's nothing else than a PI interface that is in the end, um, yeah, used on basis of GDTs, on the basis of these global data types. That's maybe one important information. Our interfaces between PM ERP are relying on so-called SOA, SOA service oriented architecture services. Everything is based on GDTs. In the end, it should be in a way that the same semantics is occurring always in the same structure. And mm. the names uh, should be used um, mm. in the same Meaning in every interface. So if we call a weight always the same, yeah, and exactly. The carrier, yeah, or, yeah okay. the carrier is a little complicated. The customer is always called same. Yeah, yeah. but but that's in the end only something to uh, have a common meaning. Okay, and now synchronous services that are uh, possible without having PI in place. You could use both alternatives, uh, point to point and uh, mediated via PI controlation. But for asynchronous services, this wasn't possible so far. The reason behind this was that the needed uh, protocol was simply not defined, but this has been changed. Okay, there's still smaller changes in this protocol, but 
Now a protocol is available. It's called Web Service Reliable Messaging, WSRM. And we're using this now for uh, immediate point-to-point -point connection within the systems, meaning we are now offering an integration without PI so that you can, coming back to an example, with one ERP client and one TM client, you immediately can connect both clients without having a PI in place. And then instead of the XI protocol, the WSM protocol is used for the runtime. How to do to uh, reach this? There were there are two alternatives, but the first one I only want to mention for sake of completeness, because we do not support this, and I also want to say why we do not support this. Um, the first version simply started by doing two configurations locally, one in the sender system, one in the receiver system. So in the end, you had to configure per service, and we have a lot of them, <laughs> first in the receiver system that you would like to uh, accept such a message. In the end, you had to define so-called endpoint, and then just switch to the um, sending system, and you had to specify a so-called logical port where you were referring to this endpoint. Sounds easy, but as we have a lot of combinations, uh, this is not really done fast. It's error-prone because a lot of technical information must be completely identical. And in the end, you can do so. We also did this internally for test purposes, but we would never recommend to use this at customer side because it's really too error-prone. And also the basis colleagues in the end said that's nothing we really can ship. Okay. That's the reason why they introduced a second concept. And the second concept is based on a central configuration that's divided into different systems. Central configuration means you have to say one client is my so-called central system. Could be the TM mm. client, could be the ERP client, could mm. be a third one, doesn't matter. And again, for this configuration, two steps are needed, more technical one and more application-specific one. The technical one is comparable to this setting up business system to integration service to SLD. And the application specific one is related to using a template to get the application specific integration on basis of a defined set of interfaces. So the technical thing is setting up one client as central system and connecting the other clients so-called managed system to the central system. Mm -hmm. That's something you have to do in the transaction via the transaction SOA manager. You're reaching a web URL where you can do this. And then the technical configuration is done. This might be tricky depending on the customer landscape because sometimes certificates must be exchanged. So it's the same that holds true for the PI integration. First of all, um, yeah, IT department must set up a host port information. So that's really something a system administrator must mm. do. It's not, mm. I mean, we did this ourselves and we had a lot of tickets internally to do, to come to this point, but in a customer landscape, actually this would be done by the system administrator. And then as soon as this indication is done technically, so, so hey, let's come back to our example, the IP client is a so-called managed system that is uh, connected to the central system and TM client is also... In our podcast, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then 
can start in a centralized system to configure your application-specific so-called central business scenario configuration. Long word, but it's yeah, used. <laughs> and now it's pretty easy. You only have to specify what is the center system and what is the so-called service group I'm using. That's a collection of outbound interfaces. And what's the receiver system? And the other direction, if there are also direction from the receiver to the center back, then same works too. So always center system, center system service group, the collection of some outbound interfaces, In and the case, receiver it system. Would be all all integration would be part of one service group, or yeah, there are some technical restrictions, but mm. this could be how you could structure this. But huh? we did it a little bit different course. Um, The service group <laughs> should be cut in a way that for a given integration, um, not more than the always available inbound interfaces are required. Meaning, if you cut your service groups in a way that too many outbound interfaces are contained, then the inbound interfaces are not found and the service group is not activated at all. So that's simply something that uh, okay. would uh, lead to the fact that one given software component version is not configurable with another one. So you have to keep in mind the release combinatorics, mm -hmm. and you have to restrict your service groups to a yeah smallest con smallest no. needed or yeah whatever. <laughs> okay, I see. And so that means yeah. in the end, what would be we wanted to integrate the Sales order yeah. integration. What would be part of that? Group? Do you know that? Or I mean, um, for the ERP part, it would be then the sales order specific transportation requirement request, as well as the transportation uh, requirement uh, cancellation request. That's one service group uh, in the ERP side. Nothing more in. Okay. So meanwhile, we change the room. <laughs> the acoustics is different, so we, it's more interesting. But then we thought, so it takes a bit longer than we thought, uh, and we had to change the room. Um, yeah, so now we, we talked about the PI way of integrating and the VSRM way of doing so. Maybe some pros, mm -hmm. cons, when to use what uh, would help me a lot, because I, mean, I still have to decide on it. The, the impression is that you have to f do pretty much the same things. Yeah, in the um, end, the application-specific configuration is more or less the same. Um, there are some pros and cons. So far, the WSAM does not provide so-called templates, but as the number of objects that must be maintained during configuration is pretty low, that's not really a disadvantage. And this will come with the next release, that so-called, yeah, somehow also templates comparable to the ones we have in the PI world will be made available too. But the main disadvantage of this WSAM approach is that the service groups must exist in your system. And as long as service groups are only shippable via SPs, the required SP level is pretty high. That's the main disadvantage we are facing so far. So we have customers who are using this now, but not every customer has one of the latest EHP 5.6 SPs. Mm -hmm. So that's something we um, internally push to the NetViva colleagues Tip colleagues now um, that they have to provide a node uh, support for the service groups, 
but that's not yet made available. Mm. And meaning that uh, service groups we had to introduce to make this configuration alternative to BSM available to customers simply is not available if the service group is not shipped in the latest mm. SP. Mm -hmm. so, so it's more, more of a prerequisite than a drawback, I would say. So if you uh, <laughs> the prerequisite is yeah. pretty high. Okay, so you need some yeah. in certain SP level mm -hmm. to be to be able yeah. be, to use it. But let's say once you have that SP level, there mm -hmm. any other thoughts on when to use uh, what? I mean, if you anyway need an integration to legacy legacy system. And you have a PI running, then you can use this for the same purpose too. If you have a different integration on different message infrastructure from a different vendor, and you do not want to install an additional PI, then this can be used as alternative. But uh, as soon as a mapping comes into play, at least one <laughs> existing integration um, Message hub must be made available. So that's for sure not, uh, yeah. And a prerequisite that for the point to point based communication, you must rely on no mappings. <laughs> so in the end, we also, maybe this is now a different point we can come to that we had to introduce, uh, some so called, um, uh, bracket for our IDOC integration. So we encapsulated our IDOCs mm -hmm. with services. We used the so-called IDOC SOA adapter and the ERP to get rid of the mappings mm -hmm. to be able to configure the shipment indication also via WSM. Oh. Just remember, the IDOCs are used for these two yeah. business processes of shipment yeah. integration, where you use the LETRA component exactly. in EMP. I think we remember, but we don't mention it before, so it's yeah. an introduction yeah. to everybody. <laughs> so, so far, everything we talked about, order integration, invoice integration, that is based on services, yeah. but because uh, the shipment integration, we already had this IDOC, it's in and out, it's end kind of a run out model, I would say. So we still support it, but it's nothing we want to rely on in, in future. Um, the ERP shipment uh, integration, that's why we took the existing yeah. IDOC and done. The, yeah. We shortly mentioned this when talking about the existing templates for the BI-based configuration, mm -hmm. but um, besides having the yeah, IDOC mapping, we also have a template for the uh, mapping-free IDOC encapsulated service <laughs> integration. Mm -hmm. That's everything available also for PI, but that was a prerequisite. You have to use an SP, but that's a lower requ uh, requirement than the SP for the service groups to have this encapsulation of the IDOCs into services available. That's a prerequisite, no mapping. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then from monitoring perspectives, almost the same features are made available, but now it's depending on how you would like to do the central monitoring. Because if you don't have a central system, you in the end have to look into different ones and can use this one technique to fetch information from different systems in the central monitoring. But depending on your monitoring needs, maybe one central system is preferable. Mm -hmm. I also heard from customers where every message was routed to the internal uh, integration engine because uh, they wanted to have uh, the information there for monitoring purposes. 
So. I mean, for that WSRM, WSRM yeah. uh, integration, we also defined RTM in our yeah. example as a master system, but still for the queue monitoring, that wouldn't apply. For the queue monitoring, I would monitor the ERP output and yeah, the TM The central system queue. is used for the configuration mm. to push the configuration, mm. maintained centrally to the managed system. Mm. The system's actually being the counterparts in integration. Um, but the monitoring then would be more or less localized. But that's in the end something. Mm. Okay. There are, besides PI addition <laughs> techniques, how uh, events can be uh, podcasted. But in the end, that's a little bit, little bit relying on which monitoring requirements the customer has. Mm. So if you already have a PI for integration to legacy system mm. and you want to monitor that uh, PI, yeah. then it would make sense to use it. Yeah, for sure. But you could, in principle, also have a PI mm. and a WSRM in parallel. There's mm. no technical reason not to do it? or Yeah, that's, um, in the end, in this configuration, the SOA manager-based mm. configuration with the WSM, you also can uh, decide which protocol should be used. We require this to pretty fast switch the configuration in our test systems. And mm. it has been shipped recently that in the configuration, you can state if you should, if the actual message now should use the WSM protocol or the XI protocol. If the XI protocol is uh, configured in the end, uh, the education, okay. as we said before, the whole mm. runtime is uh, and, and routed is, via mm. the PI. Where, where is that configuration? That's the transaction SOA manager, one mm. word. Mm. And there in the business con business scenario configuration, there's per um, mm. service group in the end, the possibility to switch the, the service group protocol. Okay. Yeah. okay, so like for, for the shipment integration, I would use the... PI mm. and for the order integration, yeah. I would use the mm. uh, WSRM. We even did this mm. within one integration scenario because during development, one service group was not really fitting to our needs. So we had to decide that for some parts we had to go via PI and the remaining mm. stuff could be then. Yeah, that's also possible. With the body then? or No, no, that's in also in the config. So in the config. Okay. Nice. Oh, okay, but, flexible. <laughs> but um, the big advantage of WSM or point-to-point -point based configuration and indication for sure is that there's a lower TCO cost if you do not need an integration mm. infrastructure mm. for other purposes. Then for, for smaller customers, it's really an alternative. Mm. You only have an ERP and a TM system. Mm. Why do you need a PI? Yeah, so kind of uptime considerations, yeah. etc. Okay, good. So to, to summarize. Uh, as I would understand, so if I only have my ERP to TM integration, I don't have special requirements. So mm -hmm. in terms of monitoring, I'm on the latest or high enough SP level on the ERP side. I may consider <laughs> WSRM because yeah, I don't need the PI. Actually, I don't have to run it. I yeah. don't have to. Do I have to pay it for the yeah, way, by the way? Yeah. So if I yeah. for the PI, I need it for TM ERP integration. So do you I need do a license? Do you need an extra license for that? Not for the oh. TMERP integration, but for the, for the PI, PI itself. itself. Okay, which I don't wouldn't need for the WSRM. Yeah. And but then if I I'm on a later SP or I want to integrate also with other mm. systems within my firewall now, I mm. and I want to have one central monitoring PI would mm. be before. Or in the extreme case, if you want to connect two ERP systems yeah. to one TM system, I think. Or that would also work with WSRM. Routing 
um, is also possible mm -hmm. with regards to with uh, WSM configurations. Um, similarly to the conditions in the receiver determinations, so-called logical receiver determinations are used. And within this so-called logical receiver determination structure, LRD structure, of the service group is used. So in the end, we have a service group that's mm. a collection of some output interfaces, and this service group uh, also has a structure. Mm. We fill this structure. So we try to the foresee... The structure includes what? Um, for instance, what we are using to um, as routing criterion in our uh, receiver determinations in ah, BI. Okay. So, mm -hmm. for instance, our business scope. Yeah? In, mm. in the ERPTM indication, it's uh, this one number, the TM number that is put into the business scope ID of the mm -hmm. message header. That's also brought to the uh, this structure, and then it's a logical system, more or less. And you can use this now for... Uh, Routing purposes okay. in this raw manager configured routing. If so I we would can have integrate like two ERPs with one TM, which is a thing, or hmm? typical case, yeah. or possible case, realistic case, then when sending back the, let's say, delivery creation uh, mm -hmm. message, I would within the message check for the yeah. Yeah, ERP system of the sales order, where, exactly. and then with that I could do the routing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I wouldn't need it. Okay. It's even a prerequisite if a service group has such a routing, determining mm. structure, then this virtual receiver determination must be configured too. Mm. So application configuration with WSM then means sender system, service group, receiver system, and if the service group has such a structure, specify the logical receiver determination. Value ABC is mm. routed to this system so-and-so. Okay. Now we talked a lot about the internal mm. integration within an SAP landscape outside of the firewall. Anything <laughs> specific to be mentioned for the external communication B2B for, for the business partners from a technical or mapping? Obviously, I think we need the PI here, mm. right? So we cannot do it with uh, WSRM yeah. uh, or <laughs> can we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I would not recommend to do so because otherwise uh, mm. you would rely on an in integration where the business partner can be reached immediately per mm. interface. And immediately means without any mapping, yeah. right? Immediately, no, not without of mapping time. and per interface, the information immediately is exchanged without having one central point where you can check for mm. security or whatever. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah, security explained yeah. is pretty complicated. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So WSM in the end is supporting even B2B communication if somehow um, the business partner is modeled internally, but uh, latest information <laughs> from deep colleagues is that this is not yet really supported. Okay. And yeah. if we as TM would like to test it out, we should do this together with them. So it's not recommended okay. at all so far. If okay. using a B2B integration, rely on any other message hub, PI would be an example, others are available too. And the reason for this is besides having the security issues, firewall issues, is that you should also hide some information from your internal system landscape. And for instance, PI is offering in this latest step of the pipeline, the receiver mm. agreement step, 
the so-called header mapping, where you can exchange information mm. from your message. Even mm. if your business partner also has a PI and is understanding mm. the XI protocol, you mm. don't need an actual uh, conversion into any other message protocol. Uh, you would like, for instance, yeah, hide how your systems are called internally. Yeah? So you can so, exchange mm. uh, business partner information. So it's called um, mm. the header of the XI protocol has a, always a party and the business system or mm. communication components called in the newest releases. And you would like, for instance, to exchange that it's this internal system so-and-so and, -so and uh, use a more dummy or general term for this. Mm. And that's something okay. you would like to do in B2B communication in general. Mm. And in addition, that's only the technical integration. A lot has to be considered with regards to value mapping, For instance, I understand code is so-and-so, but the business data understands a different one. And somewhere the mapping between the one code list and the other code list must be done. Code list has nothing to do with ABAP, right? So, code list <laughs> is simply if a uh, field in your interface has a um, possible set of values, mm -hmm. then the values you know as business partner A might be different from business partner B because uh, there are standards, but... Like, when, like, like I would call my material differently per, so let's say that kind of thing that I have a say material and I call it For X instance, and then my your container type mm. there's a ISO mm. code list mm. we are using a different one uh, uh, then the EDFAC code list and uh, mm. the end we decided to use a certain one ATM mm. in general and then If customers are using different ones, somehow the mapping must be done in an indication okay. message hub. So like container type, 20 footer, yeah. general But purpose. You have to agree on something yeah. with your partner. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It can be then different per receiver. Partner, so yeah. usually the, the other ones also yeah. using TM. Uh, and usually the bigger yeah. partner tells the smaller one. Yeah. He has to. Yeah. Um, but um, for sure, we have also some predefined mappings. Um, the Crossgate, now called AII Application Integration Infrastructure colleagues, are uh, providing mappings to some uh, standard uh, EI messages. And also for this, a PI is needed because the mappings, um, mm. Crossgate or AII colleagues are shipping or providing, in the end, are based on PI mappings. Mm. So, so they're first transferring, uh, transforming. Uh, the XI protocol into their internal protocol format to be able to run their indication in it. So that's then, for sure something we bought and it's not really completely fitting, but that's also a reason where PI is needed. Mm -hmm. okay. Anything else that we have to consider for the external communication with PI? So I think the setup would be the same. That uh, I think maybe one thing must be different. The, so far we talked about the sending and receiver determination for ERP systems and mm -hmm. all with the lens system landscape directory. I think the customer receiving systems wouldn't be part of my system landscape directory. So how how is that connection to, to for example, I want to send it to my carrier as a shipper. How would I set up that, let's say, the physical address? Uh, yeah. um, the only difference is that the external systems or external, it's called also services, very often used term, uh, in the end, have to be defined in your integration builder directory too. Okay, it's not a business system, it's not a business service. Mm -hmm. And 
Business services also can be grouped under so-called parties. It's following this EBXML uh, standard, uh, enterprise businesses, I think it's called, XML standard. So it's, uh, in the end, a grouping of services offered by a certain party, business partner in the end. Um, and for instance, a customer A is offering services for tendering, for settlement, for whatever, and, that's, and then the name for the services. And this name is used during configuration. And internally in the PI of the TM customer, The business partner that's offering a tendering service, mm -hmm. for instance, is then available or is determined as a party together with a business service. And that's used in the configuration in the PI. So during the run through the pipeline, through the run, through the runtime the services, in the receiver determination, not only the business system, the receiver business system would be determined, but then a combination out of party and, and business service. So okay. receiver But is always a combination. System, that would be the server to contact? Or business service? I mean, there must be a physical you know, as a yeah, IP yeah. address. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. um, we were talking only about logical receiver senders. Mm -hmm. uh, TM to IP, the business systems are logical receivers or senders. Mm -hmm. In case of B2B communication, The business partner together with his service and services would also be a logical receiver or sender. Mm. And the logical receiver or sender and the PI is either determined by only a business system or there's another field available, but not for business systems. The party and the field where the business system is put in, but then it's called business service. In the end, there are two fields, party and component. And this component mm. is either a business system and the party field is empty or it's the business service then the party field actually should be filled so and you can service, collect there's a web service address no that's no? a confusing thing the business service is simply a term for a service offered by a business partner for instance settlement processes or whatever mm. yeah? so uh, we, still i need an ip address so yeah. yeah but 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 <laughs> Good, yeah. as mm. said it's only okay. the logical receiver yeah a concrete example you're sending a transport order um, to a carrier. Then the TM system sends out this message and this message is running through the pipeline steps. First, the receiver is determined. Here, a business partner is determined. And the business partner is determined together with his so-called business service. So as logical receiver, not a business system, is determined, but a combination of a party and a business service. That are the two fields that are available in PI for logical senders and receivers. And that's mm -hmm. it. Then the whole step is run through as said several times. Receiver determination is done, interface determination, a mapping can be needed, a value mapping for uh, exchanging code list values might be needed. That everything can be done in PI. And the later step, the receiver agreement might exchange um, sender systems information to hide information from the internal system landscape to the business partner. And in the receiver communication channel, you might use a receiver communication channel that is converting this to um, an EBXML-specific format. Mm -hmm. We have uh, mm -hmm. some um, adapters 
um, where customers can use this immediately to exchange messages on basis of some standards. And that's now the place where, as I said, the security certificates might be coming to place mm -hmm. to jump over the firewall, to reach the DMZ, demerialized zone, or whatever. Mm -hmm. What's needed to get out your system and get out of your firewall. But that's then the technical thing that is, is always specified in the communication channel. That's the technical part, as always. The only difference is that usually instead of specifying the business system, you specify such a party and business service, and there's something that's locally available in the integration builder directory and not available in your system landscape directory because it's not a system in your landscape. It's simply mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and part virtual of name for something at your business partner. Do I have an IP address now to send it to? Yeah, the IP address part doesn't receive a communication channel. Okay, so it's part of it. So it's good to have and the yeah. server name, and then with that mm. the IP address. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, just to, for my education and understand that. So that's part of the yeah receiver channel mm -hmm. determination. Then good. So let's go for troubleshooting, right? So now we, we explain the concepts and then how it should work and typically works. But if not, hmm. any tips and tricks on, on how to... I mean, uh, application-specific tips might be covered in, for instance, the uh, APU order integration um, session. But in general, uh, as already said, when talking about PI, typical... Errors that the configuration is not working is that the integration engine is not set up properly. So the local integration engine of each business system, as said, mm -hmm. must be connected to the integration server. One is repetition. That's this transaction SXMB underscore ADMIN. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spell it. <there. laughs> and then this, um, yeah. Usually it's in, it's in 59FC destination um, can mm. be checked for connectivity. The uh, second thing is that uh, the business system is not available. So run this SLD check transaction in your business mm. systems. Mm. Then uh, you also can run test messages immediately out of uh, the so-called runtime workbench. That's the monitoring part of the PI. Mm. So you can Or you will send out a message out of your application for test purposes. Mm -hmm. um, if anything goes wrong, you have to check it then in the SXMB underscore Mooney or similar transaction is SXI underscore monitor and immediately reach the um, creation engine on your sender system first. Then do this, do the same for integration service itself and um, the receiver system because the message could get mm. stuck in all of the three systems. If um, I have MPI, I could also centrally monitor that, right? Did I get that right in the pros and cons for PI versus uh, WSRM? Or? Yeah, um, there's a central monitoring, this uh, runtime workbench, mm -hmm. that's a Java tool that is in the end uh, fetching mm. data from all systems. Okay. And That's also sufficient as long as we are talking about our adapters. Everything is run in the other stack. <laughs> mm. And only as a hint, if other adapters are used too, 
which are run on the Java stack, then the so-called channel monitoring in the adapter engine must be used because there also could be an error. Mm -hmm. If everything went through smoothly from the local integration engine of the sender system through the runtime of the integration server to the yeah, then communication channel for the receiver, but there is, this adapter is, for instance, a file adapter, mm. and the file adapter is run in Java stack, there might be an error in Java stack, and you don't mm. see it when only looking in the SXI monitor transaction in the ABAP stack, so then you have to switch to the runtime workbench and switch to the adapter channel. Only a sin, we don't use this in our TM education scenarios. We are relying on the ABAP stack besides the mapping. Mm. <laughs> so, But then everything is visible immediately in this SXI underscore monitor transaction. Mm. Okay, and yeah, then it's depending on what went wrong, you would see this also can increase the trace level in, in this by simply trying to resend, re mm -hmm. triggering a retry of the message sending. You can check if the uh, scheduler is set up properly. That's um, in the end, everything is based on QFC, mm -hmm. LFC, so the queues couldn't be stopped. But that's in the end, uh, look into mm. queues that you can reach via the SXI monitor transaction via go to mm. queues, then you can see this immediately. Then in the queue, I could have like technical problems, but I could also have like content problems, like a location yep. that is mentioned in that message is not there. Then I think we would run into something called forward error handling, or yeah. So, first of all, um, there are two quality of services that are interesting for asynchronous service messages. One is exactly once, do this, but only exactly once. And the other one is exactly once in order, do this, but really rely on the order of messages you get for a certain context. So you're specifying context, and then every message out of this context must be processed exactly once, but exactly also in this order. So exactly once, EO, and exactly once in order, EO, IO. And Now, depending on the quality of service, the, the context queues, would be something like the sales order number then, yeah. or that the like context should be whatever is appropriate. In our examples, it's uh, for instance the sales order number. Yeah, that exactly. even if I have two point, deliveries, yeah. they all point to the same. Yeah. Okay. So that um, changes of a sales order that are done repeatedly are processed in the right order. Okay, and for exactly once messages, the queue is not stopped. The message out of talking out of the queue mm -hmm. and the other messages processed in the same technical QFC, queue are simply processed. But in an XC once in order uh, case, one queue is existing per context. So if then an error is occurring, the queue gets stopped. And that's it. But in our cases on the TM side, we are relying on this forward error handling. <laughs> And forward error handling means that the application can state that a certain uh, error is handled internally because it's not a technical error. Mm -hmm. um, technical errors like document I have to update is currently locked. Well, then you categorize your error as mm -hmm. temporarily acceptable error. Mm -hmm. And you can configure the runtime that uh, messages are processed automatically after so and so many seconds, so and so often. Mm. But um, if there's really an application specific error, customizing space, whatever, then you would uh, pass this uh, message to the forward error handling. 
That's, for instance, the transaction ECH underscore Moni, mm. uh, error conflict handler, I think. Yeah. Underscore Moni. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, and there you can uh, select for the business contexts, and these are described in our um, mm -hmm. interface uh, documentations. And also, uh, you can see that we have documented different error categories, and depending on the error categories, you can configure in the FEH uh, what should happen when. So that's now the case where the decision is it's not helpful to simply do a retry because it's yeah. an error that must first like, uh, uh, I have a sales it. order for yeah. a customer and the customer has not yet been sift to exactly. TM. Then, then you can retry quite often. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But until you sift that, uh, hmm. okay. And then, so uh, the idea is that in the end, um, errors can be corrected locally at the receiver side. Hmm. Uh, otherwise, if nothing is uh, in changed at the receiver side, the sender must send the message as it's fitting to receiver's needs. So they, in the end, uh, they decided to introduce a concept where at the receiver side something can change. Mm. Even the payload can be changed. Okay, this might be, yeah, at least. From, uh, from that monitor, it can change. Yeah. Oh, if you have the required authorization. Yeah, yeah, you need the required authorization <laughs> and you should at least. I think that's something that could be necessary when talking uh, of B2B messages in the beginning when you have to mm. try to get the connection working. And also for the A2A stuff, it could be help to, to get an order in quite, mm. quite fast if it's needed. And you know, oh, that's the error and mm. uh, do it right now here and do not send it again. Because not everything can be really corrected by only trusting customizing. Sometimes also the sender system must do something. Mm. But mm. you can do what the sender would do immediately at the receiver side. That's a forward error handling. You can see these application-specific errors. You can change the payload and so on. Yeah. And I think maybe in the ERP authentication, we could handle this in a little more detail because um, they already did a lot of experiences with that. Mm. Um, with the newest uh, NetFever release, it's even possible to have transient uh, retries that are not uh, monitored. So can state that 10 times the message is retried okay. without uh, throwing any error, without any okay. monitoring. And then if this is not working, then finally the message okay. reaches really FEH and so on. That's for, for things like the locking issues. So yeah, exactly. That makes sense for missing locations. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. For locking, if currently the object is locked for other yeah. update yeah. purposes, whatever. And maybe it's also uh, interesting for talking about locking. I mean, the OTR or mm -hmm. yeah. representation could be locked on a... TM side um, or not, but yeah. then the, still the freight order might be locked uh, yeah. later. And just now uh, as a reminder, um, of course, that uh, information must be transferred from the OTR to the freight order, then yeah. like an item change mm -hmm. or so. And uh, since the freight order could be locked uh, mm -hmm. and the data is then processed, so the, mm -hmm. the OTR has changed, but the freight order not yet. Um, um, we said some inter internally something called a trigger also, trigger concept. So there must be a, a report that must run frequently. It's also described in the application mm -hmm. operations guide. So the trigger report to do that internal propagation because mm -hmm. the lock might not be at the very beginning, but at the end. So reminder, also trigger that or read the application operations guide and run the reports that we recommend to run there in this frequency that we recommend or often, more often, <laughs> but do not forget it. Mm. Yeah. And then coming to reports, there's also one report that is 
um, can be triggered to restart uh, XM messages periodically. It's called LS XMB underscore restart underscore messages. So, hey, pretty straightforward from naming. <laughs> Except for the first part. <laughs> yeah, R is report, XMB is exchange message broker, and S is uh, system basis. Good. <laughs> I always yeah. wondered what the B means. XMB <laughs> <laughs> message broker, yeah. Okay, yeah, and um, maybe one short uh, hint. We uh, talked about exactly once in order, the quality mm -hmm. of service, and that the message then is um, pro to FEH and the queue is stopped. And um, this really means if there is a green arrow, in the SXI monitor transaction, um, for sure you could uh, jump to the queue RC and delete something, but uh, the actual error triggering message is already taken out of the queue and brought to FEH. And now it's up to the application mm. to yeah, at least cancel this message, whatever to enable the QFC processing to go on again. So Body exactly yeah. once in order. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a note um, describing how to get rid of this error again if one has deleted all queue entries. But this is if this green error is visible in SXM monitor, go to the ECH Monitor transaction and find the error there and uh, solve, it. solve it there. I mean, yeah. the documentation for this icon says that it's Handed over yeah. to an external application yeah. already. So, which is us, so right? So, <laughs> error handling yeah. is external from the yeah. Yeah. So one could think that uh, yeah, especially when the configuration is set up initially, then uh, sometimes errors occurs and errors occurs, and you simply would like to get rid of them. So you delete the queue entries, and that's helping sometimes, but not in this case. So. <laughs> Not uh, systematically, at least. Yeah. Yeah. If this screen error is visible, yeah, do not delete the entries. But that's the <laughs> message I wanted to give. Good. Okay. And uh, very short. WSM and execute once in order. That's available too. Though the WSM uh, protocol does not support this. WSM is only supporting execute once processing. But the execute once in order is handled by so-called in-application processing. Uh, sorry, in-application sequencing. And that's simply a technique that The sender system states the context, and this context is evaluated on the receiver side. And there's a yeah, framework built in in this BSFND layer, foundation layer for the suite, where you can check messages for the sequence or base of this implication sequencing. So the message is simply, though WSM actually does not support exactly once from the protocol, we introduced the concept to get exactly once in order working also with WSM. Yeah. So there's no disadvantage. I forget this. Okay. For Maybe monitoring, the same would apply. For whatever handling with WSRM would be the same thing? Yeah, in the end, as soon as it's, mm. it's reaching the receiver system, the ABAP stack is the same again. Okay. Good. Just. And the FVH is running at the receiver side in the ABAP stack. Good. That's it for troubleshooting or... I mean, for WSM, a lot of things could be mentioned, but the main thing is the IT department must be involved for <laughs> having the technical for configuration running. Mm. That's really the problem. And um, yeah, if it's a pretty new technique, not everybody is familiar with that. 
we had the same experiences internally at SAP. So, but again, I already divided the configuration in a more technical part and mm. the application part. The technical part has to be done once, but it has mm. to be done and completely and and correct. Correct, exactly. Yeah. But then the application configuration is pretty mm. fast done. So, and we already included some hints into our. Uh, currently created a configuration guide for WSM, but currently created means the, uh, will be available in the future, yeah, we, but not as yeah. we kind of push that out. Yeah. Okay. But for instance, uh, you have to rely on SLD even for WSM. It's not only for PI, it's you still need a business system. Business system is also the um, a description for the logic receiver and sender for WSM configuration. So without a business system, Things perfect. Okay. Not, not a business with all this system. <laughs> okay. So Good. I think that's it's more or less. Then, as our last chapter, we plan to talk about enhancements. Mm -hmm. um, just briefly, I think, since that yep. is not, not really TM specific. So I want to mm -hmm. have an additional field uh, pass through anything yep. I have to consider. And we already have a guide. Yeah. It is the TM yes. enhancement guide where it's described what needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, from a technical point of view, enhancements are modification free appends. In the end, you would um, go to the interesting part of your message in the PI and the design time and the indication build a repository or enterprise services repository depending on the release, name, and so on. But <laughs> and as soon as you figured out which structure you would like to extend, you simply have to create a data type enhancement. And <coughs> structure means there's a data type describing mm -hmm. part of your, your message. And customers <coughs> should create an own software component version that is relying on the SAP ship software component version. That's an SLD. Then this new software component version is brought into um, the ESR, the repository, and immediately everything that is um, below the software component version, customer software component version is relying on the SAP software component version, is visible in this customer-specific version. Simply that you can see everything that is in the lower levels of your component of your customer specific component. So create your own software component version mm -hmm. in SLD, have it relying on the SAP ship software component version, mm -hmm. import it into the ESR, and then do on basis of a data type shipped by SAP, mm -hmm. visible in the customer specific software component version, a so-called data type uh, extension. Okay. And that's simply then leading to an append when regenerating the proxy data type mm -hmm. in the backend system. And the append can be used in the whole mapping. We have the body for sure, for the inbound as well for the outbound mm -hmm. service. And we have um, for the inbound even two methods, one for uh, adjusting the content uh, immediately in the proxy structure and one for adjusting the modification table for BOPF so that uh, changes also can be propagated to WAP. Mm. And that's it, more or less. The tricky part is, in case you need a mapping, mm. then the mapping simply 
is modification. You cannot do a mapping change without modifying something. The only thing that can be offered is that for our graphical mappings, mm. you can create templates, mapping templates, and you can do this also for customer-specific mappings. For instance, for a small part in your message, mm. the extended one, mm. the customer would create a mapping. But not a message mapping containing everything, but only this part, and this is called message template. And this message template can be applied to all message mappings. So in the end, customer is doing the extension, yeah. the mapping for this small part of so this mapping, the I, mapping I, template, and is applying this every time SAP is shipping a new version of this message mapping. So that the customer-specific part is saved mm. and can be reapplied to what we are shipping. That's the only thing how mappings, if using graphical mappings, can be saved. But it's a modification the end, and that's also the reason why we are trying to get rid of every message as part as, as far as possible. And with having this IDOC-SOA adapter in place, um, no one has to use, starting with a certain EHP, SP, no one has to use a mapping for TM integration stuff, for internal mm -hmm. ETA integration stuff. Because we already sent that message or an yeah. extended already yeah. on the ERP side and already have it complete yeah. then and just pass through. And then no enhancement must be done in PI. No mapping must be enhanced in PI, but the whole mapping enhancement can be done immediately in the backend. The center backend would... Uh, but that's for the A2A world, right? For Within yeah. my firewalls. Mm -hmm. For B2B, if I want to have a custom mapping for... External yeah. messages to my Z field in my inbound yeah. message, there I would need that modification. Yeah, the modification in mapping. Yeah. Well, it's a modification that survives an upgrade but, with that. But as we do not ship really uh, mappings for B2B messages besides mm -hmm. the AI, the cross-gates stuff mm -hmm. is doing mm -hmm. such things. Uh, in the standard TM mm -hmm. integration, no mappings are provided for mapping uh, B2B message to mm -hmm. a certain standard. Mm -hmm. um, there's no modification. So it would be modification in the AI, in, AI infrastructure, mm -hmm. application education <laughs> infrastructure, how many eyes? And okay, since we have no content, yeah. there's no modification. Mm -hmm. okay. So the only thing you have to do is to extend your data type. That's still uh, true to have the proxy data uh, type mm -hmm. enhanced in your backend. And then you immediately can use this in the backend when you have the body mm -hmm. for the outbound, you body for the inbound, mm -hmm. and the mapping does not be t has to be touched. And this, the only thing would be the IDOC based shipment integration scenarios yeah. uh, where we ha would have this. And with the anyway. IDOC to SOA uh, enhancement, mm. um, yeah, enhancement that the IDOCs are encapsulated with services that's not needed to. So basically, on software component version based on the TM ship software component, mm. enhanced your, the, the TM data type that is the end typing of your message structure you're interested in mm. with a data type enhancement in the PI, regenerate your data type in the backend. And okay, in our case, your PTM, you have to do this twice because it's once in the ERP software component version and once in the TM software component version. So the customer needs two software component version, one based on the ERP, one based on TM. Mm. And then uh, regenerate the proxy data structures in the ERP and the TM so that the appends are added to the data types in the back and then 
uh, everything is available and can be filled in the outbound body and can be reached in the inbound body again. That's more or less everything that's to be done to add set fields to our shit interfaces. Good. Nice. That's it, right? Oh, new record. <laughs> One or 50 something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Took too long? Yeah. Ooh, hopefully. So I, yeah, I think we, we learned a lot. Me, at least. I, I learned a lot. Um, and thanks. Thanks for that. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, maybe as a follow up, we also have to talk about the ERP integration specifics on terms of business then content. We finally go down on field level, then, I think. Subfield, huh? string level. Right? Attribute. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy our integration. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.